1: The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Yesterday was the 16th, the 17th of, of January. 16th of January was the actual third anniversary of the death of Cameron Blair. I, I remember being here on air the morning after, and the, the activity, the Garda activity, was still ongoing. We were trying to piece together exactly what had happened and it developed over the course of the next couple of days. One of the most horrific uh, local stories of the last number of years. Juvenile uh, who can't be named is serving a life sentence for killing Cameron. Uh, another teenager was uh, convicted of committing violent disorder. It was a horrible, horrible incident. Uh, people were... It just happened in, in, in a split second. Uh, at the door of a house in Bandon Road. And you all know the story and the upset and the concern and the concern about knife crime that arose as a result of it and the concern about knife crime that comes up time and time again uh, in Cork. And our Lord Mayor, uh, Councillor Deirdre Ford, uh, joins me this morning. Deirdre, you have, you called for a knife Amnesty. You feel that there is such a situation ongoing now with knife crime that you've called for a knife amnesty. Morning.
2: Good morning, PJ. Yes, and it's a very sad story for Cameron Blair. Uh, it's one that pulls their heartstrings whenever his anniversary comes up. And uh, my sympathies to the family, his family, and his friends. And also, you know, anybody who has been a victim of knife crime or any crime i visited um, some of them before christmas and you know the consequences of 15 seconds of madness ruins lives both for the victims and both for the perpetrators. So I believe that we need to do something. We start. We have to start getting tougher.
1: Yeah. Do we have, I know you talk constantly with the Gardaí, for example, at the policing committee. Do we have a serious knife crime problem? Um, obviously, anecdotally we do. People will tell you that we do. But officially, do we have a serious knife crime problem?
2: Well, like what's too much of a problem? One person's life ruined with a knife or one person's life lost is one too many. And I think that in the latter number of years, there is a greater proliferation of people having knives. And of course, with drink or drugs or rouse, then there's greater potential to do terrible damage. So I believe that we must nip it in the bud, and we must call for an amnesty. And, and you know, an amnesty is where you can bring the knives or any implements and hand it into a guard station or to these bins. Uh, you know, they can be placed in strategic positions. Yeah. They're very secure. And I think that it would draw awareness and people start discussing about the, the, the dangers of carrying knives. Nobody who's carrying a knife wants to peel a potato, you know, that kind of a knife. They're not doing it to peel potatoes or anything like that.
1: That's a very fair point.
2: You know, they're setting out, if, if there's a row in mind, that they can protect themselves, number one, which is, you know, understandable, but it's not... A, It's not a safe way to respond. And the second thing is they're out to take revenge. And as has often happened, people get into rows, into flesh at the moment, and they don't toll damage. I'm told as well that what they do is they take um, toothbrushes and they take blades and embed them in the toothbrushes, two of them, and they can do awful damage to people's flesh. So what I'd be calling for is that we have an an official amnesty, in conjunction with the Garda, yeah. or I will go one step further and call for mandatory sentencing of five years for those caught with the knife.
1: I'll come back to that, Lord Mayor, uh, in a minute or two. But let's look at the amnesty idea first. And I'm reading about one that that is, I think, still ongoing uh, in Essex. Uh, Essex Police set up one in 2022 and i think it's ongoing and they put these bins up you could either come to a police station anonymously or you could go anonymously to a bin that's what you're thinking of
2: That's what I'm thinking of. I mean, obviously, some people don't want to walk into a guard station, no questions asked, and hand their knives in there. So the bins might be uh, uh, another option. Um, But, I mean, nobody would take any notice of them if they want to bring them in and hand them up. Now, we're not talking about a, a butter knife here. You know, we're talking about serious knives and flick knives, knives that are there that people feel they have to carry either for protection or to do damage. And any implement like that, there's many of them out there and there's no need for that. And, you know, as I said, the the chances are if they get into a row... And um, you know, instead of running away or walking away um they start getting involved in a frecka. and and as well as that, PJ, we see what the Gardaí have to put up with uh, up and down the country and like it must be horrific for the guardi to come across crimes like this where someone is dying or dead um as a result of being stabbed and that's not what we want for our society or our community
1: so what can the council do? Uh, Lord Mayor to make sure that something like this happens
2: Well, you see, what I would be hoping is that, um, well, first of all, I intend contacting the Minister for Justice, uh, the Acting Minister for Justice, um, and ask him if he could have a discussion with Drew Harris, and that would permeate down to the local Gardaí here, and we would have a meeting to set it up. And actually, what they did in England, there was over 100,000 knives surrendered, and they made it into a sculpture, and they toured it into different cities to draw attention to the young people of how many were there and and how how it begins to become the norm that's what we must impress upon people it's too dangerous to be carrying them you've no business asking for them and as well as that if somebody goes in to buy a knife i believe they should show id and they should give their name Like The people that are convicted now or the people that are arrested, we'll say, they're very often young and their whole lives are blighted with this. So we need to be doing something like you never get over something as dreadful as as the loss of uh, a young person's life. It's Mm. horrendous. I think that we have to start. Uh, You know, looking at the wider picture of our community Mm. and seeing what's necessary and starting the conversation. I do believe we should get tougher. Uh, As I was, you know, saying earlier, five years for carrying a knife and mandatory, and 10 years if you use a knife on another individual. And there should be no exceptions and no excuses.
1: Deirdre, you have about six months left in, in office. As mm-hmm. Lord Mayor, would you would you like to have achieved this, or at least get the ball rolling on it before you step oh, down? Oh, I would
2: love it, PJ. I would love it. I have been trying for some time now, and I know some of my predecessors have been calling for uh, the commissioner to come down, Drew Harris. But I mean, uh, what matters to me more is that we would have the round table discussions facilitated by an independent person with clear strategies to come out of it. You know, what are we doing this year? What needs to be done for three years? What needs, what's the outcome for five years? We want to have our streets safe. We want to protect our businesses and we want to deter younger people and even older people from a life of crime and ruining their lives forever ruining their families' lives forever not to mention the poor victims who must stay front and center of all this
1: lord mayor thank you for talking to us today
2: thank you pj cheers
0: ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down
1: papers there in the last few days. And uh, Gary Reen, if you're listening, because you drive the 220 route, I think you might still be on it. And I'm sure I'd know you to see if you were to wave to me. I'd love to talk to you. Gary was driving uh, between Cork City and Crosshaven, the 220, last July on a Saturday night uh, when a crowd of about 100 people gathered around the vehicles. There was kids and teenagers and 20 somethings and they were trying to push their way onto the bus and push away tourists and push away locals and Gary was at the stop in Crosshaven and as soon as the door opened they were piling on he went on to describe in the examiner what happened, one young fella ran onto the bus jumping queues and pushing people aside, Gary told him get off and he got a box to the side of the head and He has a damaged eardrum as a result of that. It's not healed yet. He couldn't go swimming with his children last year. Now he wears earplugs in the shower. He's still not over it. Uh, He also told of an incident where he refused three men entry to a bus near the courthouse in Christmas 2021. They were drunk and it took three quarters of an hour for security to get to him to get them off his bus. Uh, he's not hes not his own, or he's not, he's not on his own. There's another colleague on the Grand Parade, knocked out cold, hit with a bottle, or hit with a bag of bottles, and he refused someone a cigarette. Horrific stories. The story of Andrea, which is not her name, but she has told the story, I remember covering it here, and it was a colleague of hers came forward to speak to us at the time, who was active within the union. To, told us about the incident which happened in Halloween on our on Halloween a few years ago, where she was literally surrounded and threatened well the 220 again, threatened with rape, for goodness sake, this is Halloween 2019. 80 teenagers, some of them armed, presumably with knives, held her there for an hour and a half. She was terrified, absolutely terrified. Dermot O'Leary of the National Bus and Rail Union. Uh, your, your members are convinced it's only a matter of time before one of them is seriously injured or worse. Am I right? Good morning.
3: Uh, look,
1: come on, PJ, and
3: one to your listeners. Look, unfortunately, look, and again, it's one of those predictions that you hope is never right. Uh, you know but unfortunately because of some of the the, the stuff you outlined there and again it's look we've been on here speaking about this many many times over the last number of years and I suppose what's concerning is that you mentioned Gary's story you mentioned Andrea's story Andrea was very powerful at our conference there recently in in Cork uh, where she Mm -hmm. you know gave testimony to her experience back in Halloween 2019 Uh, and um, a lot of the media that were there uh, your own station was there as well were horrified at the the graphic details she was able to outline and she was pretty upset if you remember that day uh, certainly what concerns us in relation to the 220 which you, you say you use yourself is that only over the last number of days been reported in local media that there's concerns and well, sure, I know the area pretty well there's concerns in relation to the Garda resources at line mm-hmm. so well, things are going to get a lot worse unfortunately so that prediction probably will come to pass again unfortunately but again it's only systematic of what's happening uh, not alone in the corporate across the whole country and again that article giving the examiner Picked up from our conference and covered a number of issues. Subsequent to that, uh, it does illustrate that, as far as way as Navin, you know, there was a time, I suppose, PJ, that. You know the anti-social behaviours we like to call it. Maybe we should change that. and Just call it what it is, which is tuggery Ugry, and crima- yeah. criminality and criminality. Uh, you know, it's it's one time it was confined to large urban areas like Cork, like Dublin. Uh, after that, you wouldn't find anywhere else. Now it's prevalent across the whole country. And I, I accept that there's a societal issue around this type of behaviour, but that doesn't excuse it or shouldn't make it or minimise it either, for that matter. You know what I mean? So look, there there are many you know strands to trying to resolve this. Um, we've been calling it for a dedicated guard of. Public with Transport Division for quite a while, the resources are not there yet. And I suppose what's significant about that is that the politicians who come out and, and support us, you know, if you rang a few this morning, they'd be all on here, support like a name, them all they'll support, no problem. Yeah. But when it comes to legislating for it in the dial, which, and, uh, by, by the way, PJ, we don't believe that uh, primary legislation is needed here at all. We believe a statutory instrument from the minister would do here. And, right. and if it's the case that the resources are not there, we, well, we believe that, yeah, we looked at that and we believe that. But and, and if it's the case the resources are not ready yet, then tell us that. And tell Tell us that you are going to set it up when the resources become available. In the meantime, we can try and plug the gap and, or try and what, bridge the exactly gap. what exactly
1: would you be talking about, Dermot? And as I say, as you said, I am very familiar with the 220, and I'm, I, I take it all hours of the day and night, to be quite honest with you, and I have taken it home at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, um, thankfully without incident. But are you talking about a guard sitting there in that single seat, say, behind the driver for the duration of the route? Is that what you're talking about? <sighs>
3: Well, uh, look, I mean, there's practicalities involved here. You know, well, people no, will that, know that, the, that's, answer that's the answer. That's just
1: a picture of people forming their look, heads,
3: you know. Look, there, there are times, although one of the instances you mentioned about a driver getting knocked out cold was 6 o'clock on the Grand Parade, 6 o'clock, which is tea time to all of us back in the day, it still is. Yeah. So, but I mean, generally speaking, there are times when when we all know, the Guardian included, when uh, the trouble is, is, is like the rare of its head and you, what you want to get on every bus or indeed every train for that matter certainly you could have a situation but first of all if it exists in the first place then the threat of a sanction uh, court appearance and all that kind of stuff could deter an awful lot of it it won't totally eliminate it but certainly it would deter it so but certainly at certain times of the day you would expect the Gardaí uh, to be present on, on, on buses uh, and that would as I said you know I, I know some people these days don't have respect for Gardaí but generally speaking people still do so it would be preventative
1: in in its own right uh, PJ mm. You you mentioned that the, the the sanction sanction doesn't seem to exist Dermot and I say this without fear of favour one of the reasons that these little boogers are doing it is they know there's no sanction they know they'll get away with it you're powerless Well
3: here's the problem here yeah, here's the problem PJ look a lot of laws unfortunately uh, they're given a lot of them are giving Christian names around people who, who unfortunately met their, their death in some cases we're going to end up in a situation here where there's going to be a law passed in this country on the back of someone uh, getting seriously injured or unfortunately uh, getting killed in the line of duty whether that be a transport worker a uh, guard of themselves an ambulance worker you know frontline workers and we've been calling in the MBIU for quite a while along with other colleagues in frontline services for mandatory sentences around assaults on, on frontline uh, personnel again the government slow to react the government again and again it's important and I've said this many times PG, on your own show we have three senior government ministers three senior government ministers in Cork South Central alone all heavy hitters on their own right living along the 220 from, route yeah. Dermot well as well, you tell you it. that's not taken away from the, you know? from the impact they made Like by I
1: know but let, let, let's focus Australia on that and as I say one, one Corkman to another Dermot three yeah, members yeah. of the cabinet living along yeah. the 220 route well, 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 there you go. And, and I suppose, look, again,
3: the people listening to the show this morning that live along that route and live in that constituency are well able to articulate their views uh, I suppose uh, quite often around the election time. But again, I mean, the one thing about politics in this country, PJ, is that people are able to interact with the politicians. We criticise them, but we do have access to them yes. through the constituency offices and 2 personal relationships. So I'm appealing to people to have those conversations. So again, the dedicated Garda Power Transport Division won't solve it on its own. There's a lot of stuff, has to, a lot of interventions, a lot of good work being done by youth workers and, and and people in the community, a lot of good work being done. We, we shouldn't dismiss that. I was in West Halla in Dublin yesterday morning, where there was very high profile around uh, restrictions and services up there. And we've been telling people in West Halla, who feel a bit of grief because the area has been highlighted, that this issue is going to be across the country. I want to have members of ours and members of other trade unions are going to be withdrawing services on the basis of this type of action. I mean, enough is enough. course what we're talking about here, PJ, let's be honest, is people's workplace. I'm sitting in my car now talking to you as part of my work. I'm, I'm, I'm traveling from A to B. You're sitting in your office. The people we're talking about, the Garys of this world, the Andrews of this world, they sit in the bus. They're, that's their workplace. So, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it, people should really sit and just understand that. You know, they're facing that every day. They're going, yeah, to, What's yeah, going to happen today? Yeah, is that going to there, happen?
1: There's a, there's a thing, Dermot, that, that you put your finger on there now. I mean, there are so much. There are books of legislation written about health and safety at work. That is Andrea's workplace. That is Gary's workplace. They are both entitled oh. to health and safety protection. There's a
3: yeah, I I just one, one of the things I said, I've said thing, many opinions and lots of things. But one of the things I've discovered about this country, and it has its good points as well as its bad points. Let's be honest. But we're very good at writing legislation. We're very good at putting laws in place. We're not very good at policing those laws or implementing those laws. That's one thing where we fall. down I believe,
1: Dermot, Just before I let you go, the idea of these bus rapid transport corridors, corridors, ca- uh, rubber, <laughs> Lewis on rubber wheels, as it were. <laughs>
3: Yeah, look, I, again, we've been pretty strong on this for quite a while. You now. Bus Rapid Transit, or BRT, was, was all the buzz back and around 2011, 2012 when the NTA first came on the scene. I, I should say this, and talk about politicians just in the last few minutes. Politicians, by their nature, love rail, whether it's light rail or heavy rail. And the reason they love it, I believe, is they get three or four election cycles out of it. So they can knock PJ's door along the 220 route there and say, It's a light rail coming to you. We've committed it in the program of government. And two elections later, they're saying the same thing. Whereas BRT, or Bus Rapid Transit, with its own dedicated road space, now. It's the Lewis on rubber, as you say, right? It takes a, a, about a year and a half, two years for completion, which is in, within one government cycle. It's it toward the cost of the of, of light rail. By the way, the estimated cost for the light rail in Corks, I understand it through the CMAS plan, is 545 million. Now, again, we know about budget overruns in this country and capital uh, capital projects. 545 will probably be a billion at some stage. <laughs> uh, and again, I made a comment a number of years ago at a previous conference and, and, and flippantly, probably, that you have a better chance of seeing the Lewis and Carton. you have. seen Elvis in the exhibition centre in B uh, and again, the reality is the reality is that the bus rapid transit, a third of the cost, two years to turn around. And again, here's here's something for the the three heavy hitters in the South Central. It's in the program for government, uh, PJ, yeah. that they should look at BRT for the regional cities. BRT bus rapid transit so I think politicians should be challenged again people like the notion of a Lewis or Cork which I love a Lewis and Cork are we going to get it not in my lifetime does that make me old it doesn't I'd say my own young fellow who's 16 years of age might struggle to see it yeah. never mind me you, you, so you, let, you made a very good point
1: let, though, a very good political point there there are votes in promising railway but delivering the bus. So There's three elections minimum. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good, it's a good point. It's mind you, at this stage now they're running out of of vote catching on the convention centre. I wouldn't be. Uh, we we haven't seen a convention centre in nearly ten years, w- Dermot.
3: Well, I won't be asking a certain Finnegan Minister anything about that. If I was anyone, anyone close by him at this stage, I wouldn't be asking him at least. Whatever
1: about the right. other two? Good, good, good to catch up, Dermot, and uh, my regards to all of the staff, all of the drivers on our buses uh, across Cork City doing a great job in tough circumstances. Thank you, Dermot O'Leary, uh, Gaffer at the National Bus and Rail Union, and a Corkman, Corks ninety six FM.
0: Even on a budget.